Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. To start, I just want to draw attention to two phrases that we get in the gospel this morning, the parable of the talents. The first is this, that he gave the talents to each according to their ability. In other words, it's actually not distributed equally. And the writer makes sure to draw our attention to that. In fact, everyone in this gospel, a talent is a sum of money, but through the centuries it's been applied to the different gifts and different circumstances that each follower of Jesus has. And the English word talent, in fact, comes from this parable. To be talented is to have more gifts and more ability. Second, the joy of your master. In the parable, Jesus invites us all to think about the kingdom of heaven as entering into the joy of your master. In fact, simply in this life, entering into the service of the master, we're meant to interpret that and to see that and to envision that as being invited into sharing into the joy of the master. If those two things are true, the response that this last steward has, the one who was given one talent, buries it, and then just tries to give that one back to the master. The response that he has to his master should strike us as very strange. Remember, he says, Master, I know that you're demanding. Remember, this is the guy who gave him a talent. If we do the, if we do the sum of money exchange in modern money, it's something like a million dollars. Remember, this is the guy who gave this steward a million dollars free. And he says to him, I know that you're demanding. And I, don't, I know that you harvest where you didn't plant. What, what do you call that? Any farmers here who are rhetorical, you don't have to shout it out. But what do you call that, any farmers here, if you go around with your combine in fields that you don't own and that you didn't plant? You call that a thief. And so the steward... He goes to his master and says, I know you're demanding and hard, the guy who gave him a million dollars, and I know that you're a thief, and so I'm afraid of you. It's pretty clear here that he doesn't trust his master. It's pretty clear here that he thinks of him as a hard man. It's pretty clear that he fears him, and so it should be even more clear to us that this invitation in this image of entering into his master's joy it has no pull on his heart. It doesn't affect him at all because of the way that he sees his master. It should be clear then, too, why he buries his talent. Yes, as he says, he's afraid of him. But even more, it's because of the way he sees him. In his own mind and heart, he's like, why would I be interested in working for this guy? He's out to get me. He's a hard man. He's a thief. He can't be trusted. And so I'm just, I'm going to just try to give all my talents back. I'm just going to, I just want, I don't want to be in business with this guy at all. Here, just take it back. No deal. Just let me go my own way. Not interested. And so he buries his talent and tries to find security by just giving him back what he gave me. Not interested. I don't want to do anything with it. As I pointed out, in reality, this response is irrational. The master has generously given this steward something he didn't earn at all. A million bucks. Go do what you want with it. Just invest it. Use it. 
It's irrational to see him as hard and conniving and out to get him. Everyone, if we're to draw a lesson or a principle from this, I think this is it. Sin distorts our understanding of God. Sin affects the way we see the master. If you remember everyone after the first sin, remember Adam and Eve, the fall happens, and immediately after that, what happens? God is out in the garden calling for Adam. It says, he, he want, basically it describes, he wants to go on a walk with him. Adam, where are you? Let's go on our evening walk together. It, it depicts for us a relationship with God where there's ease, there's comfort, there's, there's familiarity. And yet Adam isn't interested. Why? Because he thinks he's about to be punished. He thinks he's about to get licked. But there's no hint of that coming from God. Whatever's convincing Adam of that fact, even after he sinned, whatever's convincing Adam of, oh, I'm going to get licked now, and I'm going to get punished, I know he's out to get me now, whatever's convincing him that, it's not God. God's inviting him to go on a walk. Sin distorts our understanding of God. If that's true, everyone, that the movement of sin distorts how we see God, the opposite should be clearer than two. The movement of grace, the healing movement of grace, is that which convicts us and convinces us that behind it all stands a good, generous, merciful Father. And whatever happens in our prayer, in our prayer life, in our daily life, that moves me to be more convinced of that and convicted of that, that's of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to convince our hearts of. Behind it all, the good and the bad, by the way. This isn't about being naive or overly, overly pious. What stand, who stands behind the good and the bad of like is a good, generous Father who is inviting us into his own joy. And so everyone this week, watch for that. Watch for the implicit, unnamed, underneath it all, thinking, oh, God's out there to get me, versus the movement of the Holy Spirit, moving us, convincing us to see the good Father, the generous Father behind it all, welcoming us into his joy.